Live in five sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Uh, John Rahm wins the Masters yesterday, Jim, and what a performance by him through the weekend. Uh, fantastic. He absolutely dominated Brooks Kepka, dominated the field, uh, and, and beat Kepka head-to-head. And Kepka prides himself on being a tough guy, a tough competitor. He was talking about how you know, how healthy he is and how he's back to being the guy who could win majors and love, how much he loves this stuff. And then, and then he's out there on the seventh green on Saturday morning, finishing the third round. He has a four-shot lead on Rom. He's strutting around the place. And Rom, over the course of the next however many hours, Rom beat him by eight strokes, just took him apart. It was, a, I thought it was a swing right away when they went back out there on the seventh and, and Kepka misses his putt and Rom makes his to make it two shots, uh, you know, uh, right away. I thought that was a turning point, even though it was early on. It, it made it, yes, I do think that was a significant moment. There were a couple times, I think, when Kepka went back to having a three shot lead, mm. but Rom just never wavered. And, and listen, in the course of a golf round, you're, not everything's going to go perfect. You're going to miss some putts. You're going to have some bad shots. Nobody just plays perfect golf. But you felt like when Kepka made a mistake, it was uh-oh. And you felt like when Rom made a mistake, it was delaying the inevitable. Yeah. What do you make? So uh, Kepka joins a, a short list of tremendous uh, younger players uh, with Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth, who won a bunch of majors early in their career in a short amount of time. But as soon as they started not winning them anymore, uh, they, they kind of keep on that track. It's kind of a curious phenomenon. It's fascinating, and it speaks to the nature of golf and the mental and emotional aspects of the game. Uh, McIlroy hits the driver better than anybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Kepka was absolutely dominant and seemed built for winning majors. Spieth looked like he was built for winning majors, and especially at the Masters. And, you know, I mean – I don't know if it's any more complicated than, you know, they got hot, but the reality of golf is it's hard. It's hard to win a period. It's hard to win a major. You're up against all kinds of other great players. Every time you go out, you need some luck. You need some, you need timing. Your game needs to be on and to be making putts. If Scotty Scheffler had putted decently this week, he would have been right there at the end. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who was a great clutch putter. He couldn't make anything. You know, some of it's some of it's explicable, right? You can tell that the Masters is in Rory's head. You can tell that not winning really bothers him. Yep. Uh, some of it's inexplicable. You know, there's no reason for Scotty Scheffler Scheffler not to have putted well this weekend, and he didn't. Yeah, and and same thing kind of for Patrick Cantlay. I remember a time when Cantlay never missed a clutch putt. That that time has kind of ended. He's just not making putts on Sundays anymore. It doesn't seem. He's not. I still think he's going to break through at some point. He played really well overall, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's thing. You got to play well. You have some good balances. You have to manage the course. You have to manage your emotions. And if you hit the ball well enough, you still got to make the putt, right? I mean, you don't get rewarded unless you make those those clutch putts. Mm-hmm. So the biggest story is always who won the championship, especially when it's someone who appears that they're going to win more. What was the second biggest storyline? Do you think, Jim? Uh, I thought there were three major storylines on Sunday. Rom winning, which is a great story. He's a really mm-hmm. cool guy, and uh, it's good to see him succeed. Um, Kepka spitting the bit and getting beat by eight shots over the course of one day. And Mickelson uh, shooting at 65 at the age of 52. It's yeah. you talk about inexplicable. And he was really interesting talking after the round about it. Because he, you know, he was kind of sheepish early in the week. He sure. certainly opened up once he started playing. 
Uh, he talked about how, and he didn't mention Tiger, but Tiger went for maximum explosive athletic ability in his prime. Uh, he worked out like a madman. He lifted the heaviest weights. He did the craziest exercises, the craziest training, part of it to be physically strong, part of it to be intimidating. And now his knee's gone, his back's gone. Uh, you know, he looks like a, he's, he looks like a shell of, him, of his former self. Yeah. And he even did kind of before that, even before that accident. He just didn't look quite the same with the one exception of the great master's performance. Uh, Phil went the opposite way. Phil never bulked up. He never went crazy on exercising. Um, you know, he had bouts where he would work on his arms or his legs and you could tell, but it was never crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And he talked last night about the fact that he wanted to play golf for a long time at a high level. So he emphasized elasticity Mm -hmm. and diet and joint health and staying healthy, you know, not only physically, but just in terms of your immuno system and all that. So he, he took a completely different route and here he is at 52 playing like a genius again. Yeah. Certainly trim. I mean, gosh, that's as yeah. slim as I've seen Phil Mickelson look. Maybe it was the tight-fitting black clothing that he was wearing too. But, uh, but no, yeah, his face looks real. His face looks really gaunt yeah. compared to what he used to be. Yeah, thin. That's for sure. Almost unhealthy, but clearly not unhealthy because he finishes tied for second. Uh, you know, at at the Masters and and Spieth. I, I, you know, it's easier to play great the last day when you're not in contention and not really thought that you could win it. Granted. But I still think Spieth has another Masters in him. He seems to just love that golf course. And, and that's the other interesting thing is that people who love Augusta tend to find what, a way to play well here. Tiger, you know, I don't know if he could have won any other major at the age where he won his last Masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spieth loves it. He loves it, and he's always, a, almost always a factor in at least one of the days, has a great round. Uh, you know, then you have Phil. Phil absolutely loves it here, and he plays that great last round. Rom loves it here. Scheffler loves it here. Uh, you know, I thought Sergio should have won the Masters or a major way earlier, but he talked himself into hating uh, Augusta National and, and making excuses about the course, and I think that really delayed his ability to win a major. Yeah. I could talk Masters all day. However, the Timberwolves were making plenty of news of their own yesterday, and not so much by winning the play-in, but by throwing punches at teammates and walls, and that didn't help them at all. What a what a, uh, you know, I still think Gobert. I, I still I still think that you can defend the trade for him, and I th- think you can still say that if they're all healthy and they get it together and they have a full season with Conley running the point with Gobert, that this could all work out. But I do. I have felt like, in my experiences being around the team and being around Gobert this year, I have not. I do not have a lot of faith in that guy as a uh, as a thinker, <laughs> as a as a you know. I, I don't think he's the brightest guy. Uh, throwing a punch at, at your teammate uh, in the huddle of a a game that you need to win—that's really stupid. Yeah. Uh, Jaden McDaniels, I don't think is a dumb guy, and I think he's a good guy, but punching a wall is a really stupid act two really stupid things now they came back and they win the game but i don't i think the combination of mcdaniels being out and gobert being an idiot uh, really limits your enthusiasm for for uh one for being able to predict that this team's going to do anything in the postseason it, interesting that you know finch has talked about the maturity of the team and that was lacking again in those two incidents in particular uh, yesterday, uh, is Finch on the hot seat if the Timberwolves don't do anything here in the playoffs? I don't. I, I can't tell you for sure. Mm. I don't think so because I think the major fact. I think two major things happened this year, uh, post Gobert trade, right? And he didn't. He's not the one who traded for Gobert. I'm right. sure he's on page, but um, I think that uh, 
the town's injury probably kept them from the fifth or sixth seed. Uh, and I think that the uh, Russell really not getting along with Gobert and, and not, and feeling like they needed to do something before he walked away for not and them getting nothing, uh, having to go from Russell to Conley, even though I think Conley is the right point guard for this team, it did take some adjustments. Um, and add in the adjusting to Gobert early in the season. I just think that if you don't have those three things happen, if Towns is healthy, if uh, if they had had the right point guard all along, I think this would have been you know a 50 plus win team, and we'd everybody'd be thrilled by it right now. So I I don't think Con, I don't think Finch is responsible for those things. Um, I think the interesting thing with Finch will be what happens when Laurie and Arod really kind of take over completely. Is he because sometimes like. Paul Molitor was never going to be Falvey's manager. Right. He was he, he he stuck around for one year because of the transition, but he was always going to be out as soon as they had a bad year. Well, I don't see them firing Finch right at the end of the season, but if A-Rod and Laurie take over and, and Finch hasn't won anything with this group, I do think they'll look for their own coach. I have to say this. When they traded for Rudy Gobert, I was really excited, but I've watched him play for an entire season now. I'm not as excited about him as a player after watching him for the whole year. Oh, I agree with you. Uh, I, he has been underwhelming, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I don't think he's the brightest guy. I'm not sure he's the best teammate. He's kind of a pain in the butt, I think. I still think, given all that, that if Towns is healthy and Towns and Edwards are playing well and you have Kyle Anderson and Mike Conley and you have Jaden McDaniels and a good bench and they get to play together enough to have cohesiveness, I think Gobert just doing – what he does in his very limited way, just rebound, defend, and score at the rim. I think that fits with all this, and I think they could be a 50-win team. You'd run back this same roster as it's uh, as it's comprised. Pretty close, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I want. Con- I think Connolly's the right point guard. Townsend Edwards. We've yep. got to see how this all looks. Gobert, yes. I want Kyle Anderson back. I want Jaden McDaniels back, and not punching things. <laughs> uh, Torian Prince is a really good bench player. I think you might need a better backup point guard. Everybody loves, uh, everybody loves uh, McLaughlin, but man, he's got to do so many things really at a high level to make up for his lack of, of size. That I, you know, if you could find a more conventional backup point guard, I might go that way. Yeah, lack of size and speed really for McLaughlin too. Yes. Yep. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at five sports at Todd and Sue Ann, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.